This is the 29th of May 2014, and it's time for the audio podcast! Woohoo! <laughs> this is episode 112. A new season starts now. Wow. I'm Scott Hewitt. <laughs> I, have, I, I have returned from my holiday, and as always, I am joined by. Samuel Freeman, that's me. Hello. And we also have. Adam Yange, coming to you from the future because, of course, it isn't the 29th of May today, as Scott just said. In it's the April. Video. It's the 29th of April. Uh, yes, we've got our standard show coming up with a little bit extra. Um, you can, of course, catch the audio podcast in a number of formats. Uh, we are on YouTube. You can get us through iTunes and Gpodder. Uh, and then you can also contact us. Uh, usually, uh, the best way I'd say is via Twitter, at the audio podcast, uh, show at theaudiopodcast.co.uk, if you like email. And, of course, you can follow us uh, live on the notes at theaudiopodcast.co.uk forward slash show forward slash 112. Let's get to it. Excellent stuff. Well, this week we are joined, uh, much rumoured, but we have been joined by uh, Sam Butler, who is the product manager of Sibelius for Avid. So, Sam, it's a Hello. great pleasure great pleasure to meet you here. So, so we've, we've been warned about the things we're allowed to ask about and things we're not allowed to ask about. And everything we're interested in is fine, because what we're interested in is the most recent update to Sibelius. But I understand, Sam, that you've actually been with, um, you've actually been with Sibelius before Avid took over. And therefore, you have um, you actually have quite a long history with the company. Uh, I certainly do. Uh, I joined uh, the team in 2002, uh, fresh from university, where I uh, took a job as a technical support engineer, um, and we ran the demo tours and the uh, the shows um, around the UK, and we also did some of the non-programming development as well. So all the uh, non-coding bits that the developers didn't really want to do. Um, so all the, uh, the sound sets from Surveillance 5 I've done, uh, the uh, demo tutorial videos over the years, and uh, worked with our third parties to uh, bring together the sound libraries for Sibelius. So Native Instruments, uh, Garatan, Virtual Drumline, um, and uh, and so on, but also working with people like Vienna to write their sound sets to make their sounds work with uh, with Sibelius. Then we did our own sounds um, and our own player from version six. So we did all those sounds for version six um, and version seven, and we made some minor tweaks to seven point five. But the library is is basically the same. Um, so yeah, done uh, various bits and website maintenance and and, and all sorts. But uh, yeah, so now product managing. Um, Surveillance products. Excellent stuff. So I, I guess we should. Um, I, 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 it sounds to me like you're, you're partially responsible for the reason why Sibelius is, sounds better and better every every time it comes out in terms of playing it. I understand with uh, 7.5, there were quite a few. Um, there were quite a few kind of new new elements added in there to make more expressive kind of playback and realization of people's scores. Could you say a little bit about what what was actually added to it and what those yeah. main benefits might be? Um, so over the years, we've had uh, something called Espressivo, um, which is uh, an old algorithm that was that was made years and years ago. It was never touched for for many years, um, and that only looked at very small chunks of music to decide whether it should play something louder or softer. And basically, the higher notes, I think, were going to be a bit louder, 
and the lower notes, not so much. So naturally, you would get a phrase, which would be quite nice. But now it thinks about it over uh, several bars of music, um, and uh, it doesn't necessarily read ahead like Note Performer does. Note Performer looks at a, a second's worth of music and, and works out how to play it that way. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it now takes a, a lot more into consideration. So when, when you've actually got a phrase, it plays it like a phrase. Um, and there was uh, a lot of theory done um, uh, by one of the uh, testing team um, to, to actually work out how, how it should actually um, be played based on people's memory of what went before. Um, so humans can only remember a couple seconds of, of music um, as it's actually playing and, and how things are actually done. So it can work out how, how to play things um, based on what's already happened but what's also coming up as well. So that's Espresivo 2 um, and uh, it's on by default for, for new scores and um, uh, yeah, it's, uh, there's a sliding scale of, of how much you want it to influence your music. Um, and uh, in fact, it works very well with Note Performer, um, uh, which also interprets the music. So um, they don't clash or anything. So you can use both in, in conjunction. So I'm guessing that it would play, the, the Espresso would play the same every time. It's not going to make a decision each time it plays. The algorithm's kind of yeah, fixed. It's, like, yeah, because it, it really looks at the, um, at the music. So it's, it's going to be the same every time. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so when, when you listen to it back and you think, yeah, that's it, I'm going to make an audio file, that's what you'll get. You won't just get a, another, another take on it. And I suppose there's a... There, it must have been hard to decide. I mean, you say there's a slider, so you can say how much Espressivo 2 uh, influences the, the, the playback. But I, I suppose there must, also, there must have been a question of, oh, well, it could be played back like this or it could be played back like that. Or was that a fairly simple decision to make? Um, I suppose I'm thinking from like a conductor or performer per, uh, perspective, and you could conduct or perform a piece hugely differently uh, through a kind, kind of interpretation. Absolutely. Um, so there's uh, there, it's, there are various sort of uh, levels between completely off and, and kind of over the top. And you, mm. you, you can pick the one in between. And it, and it just does different things. So it won't make things as loud when it goes up and up and up as it, as it does if, if, it's, if it's on full. Um, but also it can be used in conjunction with uh, live tempo, which is a feature we implemented um, a little while ago, where you can actually put in uh, um, uh, tap points. So you can actually tap the tempo that you want, effectively conduct it. So mm. you can put in, uh, and it's mainly done in, in panorama mode, so when, when the sheet music is in one massive long bit of paper rather than individual pages. And you can see a little graph of the, of the tempo that you've, that you've tapped in. Um, and you can, uh, you can sit there, and, and as it's playing back, you can, you can tap a key on your MIDI keyboard or your computer, and that's the tempo it will play back at. So mm. that, and in conjunction with Espresivo, you can actually get the performance that you really want out of, out of Sibelius. Um, and you can put uh, the, the points in at particular bits in the music. So you can either do it uh, with the melody, so you can actually just tap out the melody, how you want to actually perform it. Um, and the tempo will go with that. But it'll also wait at pauses. So you can really sort of uh, uh, have a big crescendo towards a pause and sit there and then actually carry on. And Sibelius will, will 
listen to you and remember your performance, as it were. Um, yeah. So you can bake that into the score. Um, and if you play things in with your MIDI keyboard, your 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 uh, your keyboard part or whatever, it'll actually remember the uh, start position and the velocity and the duration of every single note. Mm. So, not uh, you know, nobody plays a chord bang on. Um, so it can sound a bit unnatural when uh, when it's just playing back block chords. But if you played the MIDI with your MIDI keyboard, it'll remember all of that. So with all of these things, it, you'll actually get a, a really realistic performance, as it were. And then it's really down to the sound library to to convince you that it really is a piano rather than just a recording of every note of a yeah. piano. What yeah. about if you did not play in the MIDI? If you've just um, drawn in, as it were, the chord, how does it does it how does it stagger the notes in that situation, or does that depend on how much the espressivo is on? Yeah, so there's espressivo and rubato as well. And rubato will slightly change um, the, the tempo of the score as well. There are a few plugins to, to randomize start positions. There's quite a nice one for um, guitar strumming. Um, so you can just put block chords in, or you can put in the chord symbol and realize those as, as the chords. Run the plugin, and you can tell it which ones to strum up and which ones to strum down and what pattern. Um, so you can you can kind of kind of get a, a acoustic guitar sort of vibe going on. Um, and you can set the the distance, as it were, in, in, in MIDI ticks between each note um, as well. So uh, yeah, there are several additional tools to, to kind of make things a bit more um, realistic. Awesome stuff, isn't it? I, I think it. I, I think it's really, it's, it's really interesting. Have you, um, as you were talking about it, an idea that came to my mind. Have you ever considered offering people the the ability to get like a kind of a, a, a kind of a performer model? So the idea being that here, here's how a performer that you would know would typically play things, and being able to kind of take their expressive information and apply that to a piece that they'd they'd written to give the idea that you're actually getting a a, a performer of choice to be playing back the thing that you're thing that you've created and those kind of ideas because it strikes me that the Spivar system would actually be able to do that kind of thing. Yeah, it's it's yeah, the Espresivo and, and the other live playback tools and things are one size fits all. It really is. So but if if we I guess we could expose the controls and then uh, have have a nice way for people to apply their performance techniques or play to it and it learns it somehow. Um, so yeah, that that would be certainly possible, um, but certainly something that we don't have at the moment. We do have um, in the ideas feature something that we brought in in Sibelius five, I think, um, where uh, there were two thousand um, mini musical examples um, in various different styles. So there's uh, there's um, uh, jazz drumming, there's um, urban hip hop, and there's um, uh, film, orchestra, timpani patterns, and all sorts of things. There's thousands of them, um, and we're you know o over the years we've we've uh, well collecting all of those examples where people performing them in. Um, so for the drum ones, we had a MIDI drum kit and we hooked it up and we were recording uh, the drums into that. And that, in effect, when you when you bring those musical examples into your score, you can just copy and paste them in, so you can easily get a a, a drum groove going on. That's really a recording of somebody playing it in. So um, it's and once it's there, of course, it's just notes and surveyors can do anything with notes, so you can copy and paste them around and reuse them as, as needed. Um, but it's certainly 
something that I you know that that is somebody's style, but we didn't give them the credit, I guess. Um, so in the future, we could we could commission another guitarist or drummer or, or what have you, and actually make some sort of celebrity content, maybe. Um, who knows? Uh, but yeah, that's that's all all possible. And and how have uh, how have the customers been? Composers been finding these new features because it's uh, it's quite a significant thing to pl to tinker with the with the playback out of Sibelius out of that kind of program. Uh, are they generally liking the new the the expressive side or are some a bit like oh well actually I'm kind of used to the other way. Well, for the for the new Espressivo, um, it uh, nobody's really complained about the new one, which is good because it, it, it's almost something that you notice when it's wrong, but you don't really notice it when it's when it's just working fine. Mm. So um, yeah, in in general, the the feedback's been really good, um, and from third party sample library vendors, they certainly haven't been complaining that it's that it's causing havoc with. The way the MIDI is being interpreted by the by their plugins sort or of anything. Mm. So I think no news is good news in a way. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's just an option. You can just turn it off if you don't like it. But you know, it's 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 been it's been certainly well well received. I, I think what we used to get is um, sudden jumps in velocity uh, with notes. Even though something's marked mezzo piano or something, it'll just suddenly ping out a note in the middle of nowhere. Um, mm. So yeah, all, all of those sorts of scenarios have been smoothed over. We did a, a blog post um, a few weeks ago where we had a, an example of Espresivo 1 versus Espresivo 2. Um, and uh, it takes a couple of plays of, of each, but you can really tell where things were going wrong with Espresivo 1. Um, yeah. So it's, it's very subtle, but it's, um, it's certainly a, a good thing. Excellent stuff. Well, I I guess I'm um, just uh, just to draw us to a close a little bit here. But I just wonder, is there a could you say anything perhaps about w what the future is for Sibelius? Is there any kind of a um, well, there's... if we're as bold enough to ask, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we we've got um, lots of different uh, lots of different programs. We've got our um, our iOS app, Avid Scorch, um, which uh, is. Uh, is being used uh, in all sorts of scenarios that we never thought it would be. A lot more for gigging, really. Um, so uh, in the future, it would be great to be able to put in features um, to help people have set lists and, and organize their music for that and, and so on. Um, we uh, have got a uh, Keep on the Scorch theme. We've got a web plugin that runs on, on only Windows and Mac at the moment. And plugins are a bit of a, uh, an old way of doing things. So um, uh, it'd be good to refresh that, so uh, we either update the plugin architecture so it runs on 64-bit, or we try and find a solution that doesn't have a plugin at all, um, and that's to allow people to uh, share Sibelius files with others who don't have Sibelius, so they can still open a score in their web browser and be able to to play it back and transpose it and practice from and that sort of thing. Um, but also for publishers to sell digital sheet music, so instead of buying an actual book of, of a piano score of Frozen soundtrack or whatever, then you can actually buy the, the sheet music and just print it out on your own printer. So for many years, we've had a plugin to uh, to basically open the Sibelius file format, which, um, which browsers uh, can't do on their own. And uh, 
with that, it, it's it's a plugin that you need to restart your browser and you need to run browsers in certain um, uh, uh, modes and that sort of thing. And it's just a bit of a headache for people to to carry on with. So it'd be good to to refresh that um, with Surveillance itself. Uh, <coughs> uh, over the last few years, we've had a lot of new uh, team members and a lot of uh, fresh eyes on the code. So they've they've um, come up with new and exciting ways we could uh, update the technology we're using. So move over, we're using Qt4 at the moment, move to Qt5, which is very exciting. But that also brings in accessibility um, as well. So uh, for users who are visually impaired, they can get their screen readers to, to um, tell them what Surveillance is doing, um, uh, which is very important to them. Um, and it also allows us to update the uh, the interface. So the the ribbon interface that we introduced with Surveillance 7 was uh, great for new users, and it's been very um, well received by that community. But existing users who knew where everything was in the menus, they're still um, struggling a bit. So we want to um, uh, offer something for them uh, to be able to either customize it or bring the menus back or, or do anything they want to it, really, um, to be able to... Um, Make Sibelius in, into the into the app that they really uh, uh, want to use, rather than just battling with it um, and uh, and relearning the the interface. Um, so, uh, but also the uh, over the last um, year or so, we've been uh, organisationally the the um, the products have been tightened up together. So, Pro Tools, Sibelius, and Media Composer um, are all built from the same place. Um, uh, previously, Sibelius was built in its own little ecosystem, so any changes we made in Sibelius wouldn't be inherited uh, in Pro Tools. So Pro Tools uh, has got the scoring from Sibelius, and it was always a big old job to move uh, any improvements that we made in Sibelius over to that. But uh, we moved it all over to the same uh, build environment, so anything we make a change in Sibelius is all shared with Pro Tools. So the next build of Pro Tools will just have improvements to magnetic layout or, or spacing algorithms or anything like that. Um, so, uh, yeah, and it, it works both ways, um, where we've got a video engine in Sibelius, and uh, it would be good to be able to um, take advantage of the, of the amazing uh, video editing and, um, uh, and the expertise that we've got within Avid for Media Composer. And um, they've already uh, uh, bundled up the video engine into a... I mean, it's just the Avid video engine. Anyway, put that into Pro Tools. Um, so it, it is a module that, that we can hopefully just stick in. We'd, it's a bit overkill. We don't want all the um, all the effects and all the processing of, of Media Composer files and things. But proper sync to video um, would be nice. Um, and, uh, and that would bring us proper sync to audio tracks as well, um, which we can do today. But um, the, the sync just isn't quite there because we're using QuickTime and Windows Media Composer. Uh, Windows Media Player uh, in the in the background, which isn't perfect when it comes to syncing. So uh, to uh, to go along those sorts of lines is 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 where we want to really sort of take things. But also uh, we're very mindful of of the uh, great suggestions that people have been putting on our Ideas Scale um, website. I think sabelius.ideascale.com. There's a Pro Tools one as well, where uh, anybody can raise a bug or suggest a feature. And then uh, the community can vote them up and down. So 
Um, we're going to look at all the ones that a lot of people have said, yes, that's the idea for me. That'll be brilliant to see in the next version of Sibelius. But also the features where people have voted things down because we want to be able to find solutions for things where people will say, well, I, I don't want it to work like this. I want, to work, want it to work like that. So, so really sort of getting a, a, a mix of, of um, all those features is, is, uh, is hopefully where we'll be able to take Sibelius and the, and the other supporting apps as well. Excellent stuff. It sounds like uh, exciting times for, uh, for for Sibelius and also for Pro Tools as well in those sort of respects. Um, yeah. I don't know if um, Adam Sam. I don't know if you have a if you have a final question or if you're reached. No, just um, it's great to hear how much you're taking on the way that people are using the software, like you're seeing with the iPad app and stuff. And I think that's yeah, that's really positive to hear that, that kind of loop is that it's a loop, it's not just a one-way thing, we make software, you use it, it's, you're really listening to what people are doing with it, I think that's great. Absolutely, yeah. Cool. Are you happy, Adam? I'm fine. I'm fine, excellent stuff. Well, Sam, thank you very much for uh, for agreeing to come on and, and talk to us, it's been an absolute pleasure, it's been exciting to hear about these new features in Sibelius. Um, up on our show notes, as always, I've put a link to, um, obviously, Sibelius, but also a link to um, Avid Blogs, where I know that you're quite avid in blogging there. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> I couldn't oh, resist. Well. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I put a link to link to that as well, though. Is there a, a better place if somebody wanted to get in contact with you, or is that Avid Blogs an appropriate? Place uh, yeah, Avid, Avid Blogs can uh, find out what we're up to. Um, there's the Facebook page, uh, which I think is called Avid Sibelius. Um There's uh, the Sibelius.com support forum. Uh, there's I'm on Twitter. Um, which I think is avid underscore Sam, uh, and uh, various places you can find my email address and, and all sorts of things. So, yeah, happy to get in touch. Cool. Excellent stuff. Well, thank you. Th thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure, and we're, yes, I'm, I'm glad we finally got it resolved. That's all right. Cool. Well, so uh, so that was uh, Sam Butler from Avid there for an interview regarding yeah, all things surveillance and protocols. We hope you enjoyed that. I think it's time to head into the news. Ooh. Where can you find the news, though, if you were wanting to follow the news? Where would you, where, where would you find it, Adam? Uh, well, I would probably just go to Google and... Uh, no, no, no. Um, if you go to the audiopodcast.co.uk forward slash show forward slash 112, you can get the news for today's show. But I think there's also a tag system as well in which you can see all the news across all of time at the audio podcast. Uh, what would that be? Forward slash... Tag forward slash news. I think like? maybe forward tag forward slash news works actually, but I'm not sure. Oh, well maybe we will experiment on that and uh, come back to it. But in today's news, um, kind of moving on from the uh, the express expressivo and the expressivity. That's not even a word. Type things that we were talking about with Sam just there. Um, we uh, the the Rolly or Rolly Seaboard has won the uh, the best product uh, prize in the 2014 Designs of the Year award. And uh, if you go to the Rolly website, you'll actually see what I had no idea what it was before I saw the notes and uh, went to see it. And it's a kind of looks like a keyboard that's been covered in suede. But it's actually a, a new form of expressing through a keyboard style interface. It is oh. indeed. This is um, something that I, I thought we talked about it before actually. But you're right that we actually haven't at all. The C in the name Seaboard is 
kind of comes from SEA, which stands for Sensory Elastic and Adaptive, which is ah. the the material they're using. And it's yeah, the, it's this squidgy foam type stuff that you is has been formed into a keyboard like arrangement. And you can press the keys and you can slide, and it gives you continuous control after pressing the key. And yeah, so you can change the amplitude and the pitch and that kind of stuff. And it does say that it supports um, multi, no, not multi-tongrel, um, polyphonic pitch bend. So I guess it can sense when your finger is moving between two keys, but you could actually do it differently on multiple keys at once. Absolutely, so, yeah. So you're not limited to a pitch bend wheel where you know not only do you have to play with one hand in order to touch it, you've, you're then affecting the entire keyboard. The pitch exactly. bend is... is in the fingertip. So, although I would say I there can't be much software that can actually react to multi to to polyphonic pitch bend. I mean, it because MIDI is set up to pitch bend over the whole channel. So, they have I think they have some software that it must run through or some uh, engine that creates the sound which can actually respond to these types of thing. Yeah, one of the ways they're doing it is it sends multi-channel MIDI data. So it's not just sending MIDI data on one channel, it's sending multiple channels of MIDI for the single uh-huh. performance. And yeah, in terms of software receiving that, I've as well as having their own software and has its own built-in like a synthesis engine within the instrument as well for its own thing. But in terms of sending out MIDI, there was... Well, I linked also to an interview that was um, about, about a year ago and they were talking about using Logic and they've got a template that you can use which has a complicated mm-hmm. configuration to receive the multi-channel data and then process it. A, a MIDI environment that comes in. I remember trying to set up a thing like that for my dad on his guitar because he had uh, he, he experimented with those MIDI pickups and yeah basically each string gets its own MIDI channel so that each string can be independently bended from uh, the others and uh, it was always a bit of a ropey system, um, but you know I think it's it's workable, and these guys might actually have a really good implementation to make it really natural. Uh, one thing to note is that these keyboards are available in three sizes, uh, the largest being an 88 key type affair, but they're also quite expensive. You know, you're looking at a, a couple of thousand dollars just for the the basic model, or is it? Is it less than that? Have I read it wrong? No, for the smallest one, the um, Seaboard Grand Studio, which is a three-octave keyboard there, is um, yeah, $2,000. Three-octave? So it's quite a high level of entry, but um, I think it's also a very quality product, so you're not buying a, you know, something that you'd expect to find in Wilkinson's or Pound Stretch or something. No, like I think they're all handmade. They're all put <laughs> together in in their own studio. They're, yeah. Well, they're they're actually on show at the Design Museum in London at SE1. So if you're in London, you want to go take a look. You can find the details off the uh, at Rolly.com, can't you? To go go and take a look at it as well. That's very cool. I, I like that. That's kind that's kind of cool, you know. So yeah, let, let's in more news. He think he says as his page fails to refresh properly. Um, Isotope are running discounts on RX3 and RX3 Advance. There we go. Yeah. Until May the first. Two four nine and two four and uh, seven four nine dollars respectively, and May the first is uh, this Thursday, so you've only got a couple of days left. Cool. There we go. Should there's we also a sale. Well, yes, there's also a sale on at Muk DSP. So Muk DSP. 
it's it's sales galore. But this sale fortunately lasts a bit longer. So this is between the 28th of April, which was yesterday, and the 12th of May, and it's 50% off all individual HD and native plugins and 30% off HD and native bundles. So that's tasty. I might go and have a look at that myself. Mm. Yeah, there's a, it's a couple of good deals there as well. Now, it's usually at a point like this that I think to myself, I'm sure we've missed some major news story this week because we don't, there wasn't one, but maybe we haven't. I'm just going to presume we haven't. I, I, I can't think of one, but two, uh, two interesting factor points here. Point one is we haven't had any news about a DAW. Yes. Um, and point two is that that's not actually true because I have yet to ask, has Logic been updated? No. <laughs> no. We're gonna keep. We're gonna plug away at this, and hopefully uh, the Logic team will be listening to the audio podcast and be like, "Oh, well, the dudes at the audio podcast are, are you know, having real trouble because Logic hasn't been updated." So come on, guys, <laughs> let's get it sorted. Let's get it sorted. What would be awesome is if they did a release especially for us so we could answer that question so it'd be like you know it'd have like a special version number and at the end of the version number it'd just be dot tap or something like that just so it's yeah audio podcast edition logic and in the release notes with the changes it would just say we changed the name of the number of the build version number change that's yeah. it yeah. We, we released a, a, a point update a point point update just to appease the audio podcast, the audio podcast. Um, but the truth is they probably don't even listen to us so um, that we'll, we'll have to get an update another way. Oh, I just don't know. Just don't know. Just don't know. We 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 invite them. I I haven't ever invited the Logic team to come actually on the show. I have to be honest. I've never done it. I I don't know if there is a Logic team anymore. I think there must be. But <laughs> it'll be the Garage Band team. <laughs> yeah. It'll be Gar Garage Band team is like the big job, and you're probably like, oh, um, you were nasty to so and so last week, so you have to work on Logic this week. And they're like, oh, I don't want to do that. There we but, go. Uh, I don't know. As we continue to uh, to guess at the inner workings of Apple, let's uh, let let's con let's move the show on uh, to some plunder time. Arr, 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 plunder. Very good, uh, Adam. You put this one up, so you should take this one. Well, it's another uh, controller-based thing, but this time it's a Kickstarter. Uh, Imogen Heap, who uses a glove-based multi-gestural type controller um, is actually has a, a, a Kickstarter up there for such a system uh, which is called the uh, Mimu Glove and uh, you have to get get on your skateboards and get to the Kickstarter quickly because this one ends on May the 3rd and they're still looking for quite a lot so you know it's it's cutting it's, it's, who knows whether it will be funded but basically it's a wireless glove controller um, that uh, it sends its data over Wi-Fi to a computer, and then that is then translated to OSC and MIDI, and then you can plug that into your favorite software, uh, you know, your Maxim SP. Uh, I mean, whatever will basically take this kind of thing and use that as a controller. So uh, if you want to see what that is and see what the different Kickstarter price levels are for this, uh, head to the uh, Kickstarter page, you can get that from our notes, uh, watch the video, you know, check it out, and uh, you've got three or four days before that finishes. Fantastic, sir. Thank you very much there, that's cool. 
So um, another item of plunder here from Universal Audio, or UA Audio. Um, they, they have a, an interesting blog post about the top eight mixing mistakes, in their opinion, and suggested ways of not doing them, also, mm. in their opinion. Did they, I, any of you guys have opportunity, catch this as it went by or had opportunity to, to look at that? Yeah, yeah, let's go for it now. It occurred to me that we, I think it was the last show that we did, Adam, before we took a break, we had a similar kind of top ten mixing mistakes, which were di- ten different mixing mistakes to these eight ones. So, Indeed. Some of them are the same. There is some overlap. Are you suggesting uh, yeah. that the audio podcast now has a top 18 mixing mistakes? Um, it, it seems that way, yeah, we're, we're getting there. I think there is um, overlap here, though. I'd say they're different styles. Um, these ones are really obvious, so these are more obvious, like lack of panning. It's like, well, you know, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, I, I think the, what was, where was the other one? Because I was thinking of that when I was reading this one. The other one was from um, Cakewalk. Oh, yes. And I think that one was a little bit more uh, nuts and bolts, like it maybe had more about compressors and particular little techniquey things. But this is like really obvious stuff, like uh, oh, you know, don't put too much bass in and don't make your treble too harsh and make sure there's some dynamic range and it's all just fairly general. But you know, it's it's good to you know if you're if your music's not sounding good, maybe run it against this checklist and the cakewalk checklist, and you know you might be able to figure out what it is. No, we're cool. I I got completely distracted though when you said cakewalk. I was like, ah, oh, yeah, it's it's the it's the company that makes the DAW that nobody remembers exists. I think we only ever put sonar stories in just because we've realised that we haven't put a sonar story in for ages. For a year or so, a couple of years later. Mm. Ah, there we go. Anyway, that's just a little, little aside there. Thanks for you. you know, uh, final item of plunder. I thought this was a really great story. I, I really like this. But uh, Seattle-based Netcat, who are kind of a computer music sort of band, uh, have released a new album, which is called Cycles Per Instruction. And as well as being released in all the normal methods, they also released it as a kernel module, which I thought was absolutely spectacular. <laughs> there you go. What does that mean? Well, what it means is is that you can you can probe the cur- the module inside your inside the kernel and direct its output to your sound to 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 the uh, to the sound card and you will hear the album played. So hold on, this is an album that's been made. Uh, is it just like an app, or is it lower level than that? It, it's a it's an app. Well, I guess you it it is kind of like an application, but it's it's like an application in the same way there's an application that tells your hard drive to spin. All right. Or your so system they, fan to spin. It's so right at have the they very programmed bottom. this by basically saying, okay, at this millisecond we want the speaker cone to be here. At this millisecond we want the speaker cone to be here, and they've just done that. It's essentially an element to that. Yes. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> I thought it was spectacular. You can go to GitHub and obviously you can clone the, uh, you know, the whole repo if you want. That's to. what makes it interesting is that you can download. It's not downloadable as a FLAC file or an MP3 file. No, you can go to to GitHub and download the the actual thing as a piece of software. Amazing. I, I thought that that was brilliant. You can actually download the album as MP3 though, and as other audio formats as well. So it, it is a fully rendered album, but then just an incredibly geeky yes, software version that. Obviously, the clue is Netcat, which is a 
piece of software as well. So there's there's a lot of very clear warning signs on the way to the story. I feel that <laughs> make sure it's clear it's for you or it's not for you sort of stuff. There we go. <laughs> there we are. Well, that, that's it. I, I think that's all. That's all of our stuff. There is no quiz this week. I don't know if the quiz returns. I like the quiz, but it's kind of hassle to do it. So that, that's what well, we were rushing to to get everything ready today because uh, I don't think we were. Well, Sam and I weren't expecting uh, an interview on this show. No, I do now remember Scott. I remember Scott mentioning it a while ago. It's just that since we haven't seen Scott, we haven't seen Scott, and he hasn't mentioned it in between. But that's okay. It all was fine. It all was fine. Yeah, was and we have a, actually. That was really good. I, I thought I thought it was great. Yeah, and um, we have a couple of other interviews likely to occur in the next few few weeks as well. So um, there you go. I'm always looking for more interviews. I'm going to invite the Logic team now. If we if there is a logic team, I'm going to email them and ask them to come on the show. That'd be ace. You know, you know yeah, what my so. first question to them will be? No. Has there been an update? No. <laughs> yes. No, you should do it better than that. You should work out how many days ago it was, and then we should just have like a little mini quiz with them and have the answer to every one be like the number of days since the last <laughs> update or something like that. And, and then at the end be like, so uh, can you figure out what uh, links all of these questions <laughs> together? The answer is the number of days since the last update of Logic. <laughs> Knowing our luck, though, they'll release a new version of it two days before, and we'd have to write all new questions for them. It'd still be funny, though. Still be funny. <laughs> there we go. Anyway, with, with that done, so we should definitely acknowledge uh, Sam Butler from Avid, who was on the show this week. That was absolute pleasure. Great interview there. Uh, really exciting to hear more about uh, Sibelius as well. I think, um, you know, I mean, I have to be honest, I learned loads of things about it that I didn't know, so that was really exciting for me. I found that really Really, really useful, that sort of stuff. If you uh, want to get in contact with us, then the best place to go is the audiopodcast.co.uk, and you'll find many ways of contacting us there as well. If we, uh, if you have any complaints, then feel free to email them to us. We'll probably ignore them. Um, if you have nice things to say, then obviously we will almost certainly reply back to them as well. Um, so the way you get your complaints through is to title the email, I love your show, and then just make it an email full of complaints. That's it, yeah. Uh, this week, the audio podcast is also now available on Stitcher as well. Which I understand entirely means that if you have a Stitcher-enabled car in America, you could listen to us in the car. Oh wow! Without having planned to do so, because obviously you could always have put the show on your device and listen to it anyway. But there we yeah. go. So that's pretty exciting. There we go. Available on iTunes and YouTube as well. How exciting is that? One step are we closer back next to week? on the radio. One step closer. Yeah. Are we back next week? Yeah. It's Friday, yeah. Monday, isn't it? But we're back on the Tuesday. Okay. You yeah. heard it there first, as we all did as well. The audio podcast will return next week. But this has been show one, one, two. I've had a blast, and I am Scott I am Samuel Freeman. See you next week. And I am Adam Yan. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.